Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, or you may follow along on the screen. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, the first 14 verses. I'm reading from the New International Version. And this is what God's word says. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive this spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as right righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteousness will live, excuse me, the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. I'm going to say that again. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. For 250 men trying to hold down a blimp, unexperienced, inexperienced, and suddenly a gust of wind came, picked up the blimp, and made it fly back out into the air. As you can see, some of the people, uh, some of the guys let go and said, whoop, not going to be able to do that. Other ones held on, thinking that somehow their little puny weight was going to bring the, limp, the blimp down. Three guys hold on, and uh, eventually two fall off, and one uh, holds on a little longer. Um, he dangled in the air for over 45 minutes until he was rescued. And when the reporter asked how he was able to hold on for so long uh, with a rope, he actually said, I didn't hold the rope. He replied, I just tied it around my waist and the rope held me. Instead of trying to hold on to God, let God hold on to you. Right? Instead of trying to hold on to him, let God hold on to you. Instead of trying to lead God in the direction you want to go, 
Let God lead us in faith. But how many times do we say, Lord, this is the way we're going, right? Let God lead you. That's the essence of trusting versus trying. Trust versus trying. Trying means that we're trying to earn favor with God to let him go our way, and we're trying to live a better life so we can earn his affection and blessing. How many times in our Christian walk have we said, I'm trying really hard. I'm trying really hard to be holy, to live for Jesus. Um, trusting is to wrap yourself in faith and let the, trust, let the Lord guide us. And our job is to move from doing it our way to letting the Lord discover his way. Trying uses up your own strength. Right? Trying uses up your own strength. Where trusting allows you to put your trust in the Lord and rely on him. The Holy Spirit's power. Today we're going through us two topics that Paul presents here. Um, the law versus faith. The efforts of the Holy Spirit. Justification versus judgment. And I believe this is important for us as believers. And I want to say... Uh, um, talk about trusting versus trying. This morning, 7.30, uh, Chase calls me, and the poor guy, I, I don't know if he has COVID, he's getting tested, but the poor guy is sick as a dog. So uh, he was going to bring the message this morning. So I said, no problem, we'll figure it out, and I trust in the Lord. I uh, no idea what we're going to do yet, but it'll just work out. So, uh, and praise the Lord, it always does. So uh, trusting in the Lord. Personal experience, even this morning. You know, as a society, though, we, um, as believers, um, we sometimes confuse being good with righteousness, right? If I'm good, therefore I'm righteous. No. Uh, sometimes we confuse our ability to live according to denominational societal norms with holiness, right? If, I, if, my, if my denomination wants me to do this, and if I do that, then I'm holy. No. Um, Sometimes we are thinking, hey, at least I'm not as bad as that guy or that girl over there. And um, so I must be okay. But we missed the main point here. All are under the judgment of God. We're all in the same boat. No matter how good you think you are. We are depraved people earning the judgment that's coming our way. Our only hope is found in in, uh, is not found in being a good religious guy or girl. Its only hope is found in Jesus. That's it. It's only found in Jesus. So Paul walks us through the Galatian issue of a confusing strict adherence of Jews, Jewish laws so we can insert, um, uh, well, this fits for us today, um, sometimes American norms or church norms to guarantee salvation, right? Sometimes we, wanna, we say that if we do it this way, then we're more saved. And, and Paul's like, no, it's all about Christ Jesus. It's all about Christ Jesus. Our first idea here is the law versus faith. This is one of my uh, favorite passages of scripture. I have a lot of them, as you know, but because uh, it's very direct, it's very direct here. And uh, this is Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? You know, a harsher translation and probably more direct says, you stupid Galatians. You know, we're not supposed to use that word in church, but uh, it's in God's word, so I'm using it. You stupid Galatians, right? He, uh, he didn't think that they were incapable of knowing the truth. Um, the main idea was they were getting caught up in, in the ideas of what they're supposed to be doing. 
rather than what God's word had told him to do, which was have faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Judaizers, if you wonder what they are, um, they taught that you needed to believe in Jesus, yes, but you still had to follow all the cultural norms of uh, being a Jew. Um, they, you can believe in Christ, but you have to follow the law of Moses to be saved. And throughout Christian history, you know, the church has added on various requirements to the gospel message. And by the way, the Salvation Army, we are no different than anybody else. Some of the things that we do can confuse people so that they put their trust more in that outward sign than the inward change. The uniform is one of those. I think everybody should wear a uniform. Absolutely. Because we're watching Home Commissioner. Yes. However, however, I'm not saved because I put this on. It's not some kind of super cleansing uniform. I put it on all of a sudden. All my, all my sins have washed away because I'm wearing polyester today. <laughs> it's a distortion of the faith that does great damage. In first century Galatia, um, the challenge came from the Judaizers who, and teachers who insisted that the belief in Jesus was not enough for salvation. One must also keep the law of Moses. And for centuries, um, Jews held to the law as a righteous path to favor with God. Um, Judaizers uh, perceived Jesus as perhaps building on the law of Moses but not replacing it. However, their teaching was wrong, absolutely wrong. Paul was outraged and furious when he, at, at their deceptive claims, and that's why he, he calls out these uh, Galatians, says, you stupid Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who told you that? Galatians emphasizes uh, anything. It's that Christ alone is sufficient for salvation, nothing more, nothing less than that. Centuries later, uh, the church had again embraced add-ons to the faith. Um, a young priest named Martin Luther claimed Galatians as his own, calling it the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. You know, uh, I always want to remind people um, when we talk about the Catholic Church that um, uh, up until about the 1400s, we were all Catholic. Pretty much that's all there was, Roman Catholic. And uh, did they have it all, all right? Nope. And uh, do we have it all right today? Nope. That's why, we always, that's why it has to be Christ first, Christ crucified. Sometimes, you know, you know, theology, I always want to remind people, theology is written by men to define an indefinable God. So if you think that man is ever going to get the statements of faith 100% accurate, not going to happen. Not going to happen. It's man's attempt to define an indefinable God. Now, that's pretty close. It's pretty close. And it uses scripture. And the things that are in the Salvation Army the, uh, uh, statement of faith is absolutely true. But sometimes we place too much emphasis on one thing and completely miss the picture on the other. And that's what was happening here in Galatia. Wasn't that the laws of Moses were absolutely horrible and wrong and you should never do them again. It's that they don't, your faith, your, your salvation does not come from that, from these outward signs. It comes from inward change that only Christ Jesus can do in us. Still, every generation has a tendency to classify believers according to outward observances. It continues to happen even today. You know, I, I, uh, I crack up because Jenny's mom one time said that, that um, the saxophone was the devil's instrument. Now, in today's, in today's context, we're like, what? But, uh, but you know, um, I remember growing up as a kid and when the, the guitar came into the Catholic Church for worship. Oh my gosh, the, the older people in the church, you'd have thought Satan himself had walked in and he was carrying a strange stick with a bunch of strings on it. <laughs> the other one, sometimes gum. I remember as being a teen, uh, Jenny could not chew gum in uniform. 
Jenny could not remember that. She couldn't do no gum in uniform. Uh, no movies on Sundays. Remember that? No movies on Sundays. And if you're a Salvationist, don't you dare touch a deck of cards. That is the devil's instrument. <laughs> Add-ons to the faith. Add-ons to the faith. It's not a, you know, I have no deck of cards in my house, so therefore I'm more holy than you. <laughs> right now I'm a condemned sinner. I have a bunch of decks of cards in my house. According to the 1980s or 1970s Salvation Army, I guess. I don't know. So there's add-on. Sometimes in the army we add on. Sometimes in the church we add on stuff. And that's what's happening here in Galatians. And Paul was saying, no. No. Um, you know, um, the law's power is only able to tell you what your faults are. The law... The Old Testament law, its only ability is to tell you what your faults are, what your sins are. You can tell when you're sick. When Chase called me today, I could tell when he was sick. Now notice that. Chase knew he was sick. And when I heard him on the phone, I knew he was sick. When we're sick, we know that. When we have sin going on in our life, we know that. And you know what? A lot of other people can tell too. A lot of other people can tell too. We can tell when we're sick and when we're dying. And that's all the law can tell you. If you have a broken bone and a lot of pain, you know, obviously you can tell you have a broken bone. You go to urgent care, and then they get you in there, and, and you get uh, Nurse um, Helga, and she decides that she can get your arm to move in all sorts of different ways that you had no idea was possible while she's taking these x-rays. And, uh, and she can tell right then your arm is broken. But she gets the x-ray back, and she can see your arm is broken. When you go and the doctor comes in and he looks at the x-ray, he says, your arm is broken. Um, but interesting there, though, is that um, it only states the obvious. That's what the law does. But faith is the cure. Faith is the cure. We can fix you up. That's what Jesus said. You're a broken person. You have sin in your life. You are separated from God. But there's a cure through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You have to put your care in the hands of another in order to be healed. You see that? The doctor is the one that puts the cast on you. Can you imagine trying to put a cast on yourself with a broken arm? Good luck. The doctor can heal you. We have to put our faith in something else, someone else, in order to be cured of that broken arm. The same thing with our salvation. We can't do it ourselves. Giving up gum, giving up decks of cards, giving up smoking, giving up drinking, giving up drugs and alcohol, giving up gossiping, giving up whatever you vice you can possibly think of doesn't make you safe. In fact, trying to do that under your own power, you will fail every time. However, with Christ Jesus in your life, he empowers us with the power of the Holy Spirit so we can have victory over those things in our life. And instead of relying on our own power, we're relying on the Holy Spirit's power of him working through us. And that's what Paul's trying to get across here. Second idea here is uh, our effort versus the Holy Spirit's power. Verses 3 and 5. Are you so foolish? After, uh, after, this, <laughs> after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it uh, really was in vain, 
So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit to, and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Paul points out here that Galatians, to the Galatians that they started out in faith, but they slipped back into this other idea of their own efforts. And that's a danger. Because belief in our own efforts erodes our ability to believe in God. And this is so key. Belief in our own efforts erodes our ability to believe in God. You know, uh, um, I know in today's society, we really place a high, um, I don't know, we lift up people with a degree as experts. You ever notice that? When you watch TV or you run into somebody, they announce, oh, this is Dr. Such and So, right? They have a doctorate in whatever. Uh, doesn't have to be a medical doctor. I'm just talking about somebody who's gone to college or university for a couple years and we're just say, oh, this is Dr. So and So. And so we look at and go, oh, they're the expert in the room because I, I don't have a doctorate. Same thing in the church. Sometimes we look at the church and say, well, he's, he's the major. Well, I'm not the major, so he must know everything. I'm telling you right now, I don't know everything. In fact, the more I know, it's I know the less I know. We put our, our hope in degrees and everything else, and, and it can't save you. And when we place our, our trust in our own efforts, Jesus moves from being a God of grace to a taskmaster. Because we start believing that in order to be saved, I have to get all these check marks done. I got to do all these things in order to be saved. In order to grow in my holiness, I got to check off these things. Must do these things to be saved. Instead of living by faith, we live in fear of making mistakes. How many of you fear of making mistakes? You make a mistake, you're at the, you know, you go through the drive-thru and you're like hungry as a dog. Man, you skipped, um, actually I haven't been to the drive-thru in a long time, but you skipped, uh, you know, breakfast and skipped lunch because you're working, working so hard. You get to McDonald's and you like plain cheeseburgers like myself and you're in a hurry to get to the next thing and you go through there and uh, the person messes up on the order and you're driving down the road and you're opening up that cheeseburger and, and uh, not only is it, is it have all the stuff on there you don't want, ketchup, mustard, way too many pickles, everything else, it spills all over your white shirt. And so in a moment of frustration, you're like, I curse you, McDonald's employee. Not that I've ever done that before, but we forget that, uh, you know, we live life here and now in this world and mistakes, we make them. We make mistakes and our salvation does not disappear because we made a mistake. We made a judgment call. We did something stupid. And but when we do do that, we're a holiness movement. We're about being holy people. We have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for that. I was a moron. Forgive me, Lord, for trying to go my own way. Forgive me, Lord, for trying to lead you my way. Lord, I just want you in my life. Belief in our own efforts also leads to missing out on the abundant life promised to us. Jesus in John 10.10 uh, 10 says, he reminds us uh, that we have come to have life and life abundantly. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that uh, they may live, have life, and live it to the full. Praise the Lord. But when we live, try to live our own life under our own power, we fail miserable. In fact, we become miserable people. We trade a relationship with Jesus for a religion of do's and don'ts, power, corruption, and gossip. 
How many people in the world outside the church and some many in the church think that Jesus is about do's and don'ts? Right? Do wear uniforms. Don't chew gum. We trade freedom found in Jesus for the bondage of our own doing. We trade joy for misery. We trade peace for fear. We trade blessed assurance for fear. We trade grace for legalism. Paul asked after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal from human effort? What a statement. Are you trying to gain Christ through human effort? If it was possible, we wouldn't need Jesus. The obvious is, is we cannot. And I'll tell you what, you know, how, the quickest road to being the angry Christian is trying to live your faith, trying to be holy on your own power. Because you will always fail. You will always fail. The only answer is trust in the Holy Spirit's power to give up working for ourselves and give up the whole attaboy thing. We want people to come by and say, oh, your holiness is showing Slap you on the back. Oh, good job. We serve an audience of one. We serve Christ Jesus, our risen Savior, who loves me when I get up in the morning and when I go to bed at night. He loves me when I stumble. He loves me when I'm doing everything the way he wants me to do it. I cannot earn more love or lose love. He loves me just the way I am. I choose to live a holy life because I love him. It bothers me when I have a failing in my life because I don't want to disappoint him, which is a totally different point of view than I do this because I'm trying to escape hell. I'm trying to get out of jail. Or I'm trying to impress him or impress somebody else. We have to trust in the Holy Spirit's power. And that's what we're talking about here is Holy Spirit power. It's not to say that we're not responsible for anything. I'm just going to keep on sinning. That's not what's saying there. We trust in the Holy Spirit's power. It means we seek a relationship with Christ. And we pray. And we go before the Lord. Have a relationship with him. We read God's word. We read God's word. And when we fail, we stop and seek forgiveness. Um, yeah. You know, if you look at uh, the pictures up there, there's a great difference between a rowboat and a sailboat. And uh, the rowboat is powered by the rower. The sailboat is powered by the wind. And uh, there's, there's a little um, picture on my wall at home. It says, uh, we can't change the wind, but we can adjust our sails. And I always think of, uh, I, I could think of scriptural analogies and, and Jesus analogies with sailing all day long. But... Uh, you know, it's true, the Holy Spirit's power. He's directing us. All we can do is adjust the sails and let him move us forward. I love sailing because it's peaceful and quiet, exciting and fun. But uh, I can't imagine trying to row as fast as we sail. It wouldn't be for long. Let the Holy Spirit guide us along his path. Um, receive the Holy Spirit's power, the wind in our sails. Third idea there is uh, justification versus judgment. Um, that's verses 10 to 14, but I actually put Romans up there. What Paul next launches into is justification versus judgment. He uses the Old Testament and Abraham to make a point that salvation is through faith. 
And we want to just, uh, define justification is to justify, is to declare righteous, the one who has faith in Jesus. It's a legal act where, of God whereby he dis, uh, declares the believing sinner righteous on the basis of the blood of Christ. Notice that. We, we did nothing. None, none of our actions were declared righteous simply by the blood of Christ. It involves a pardon of all sin. This is Romans chapter 5, verse 9 to 11, says there. Um, which uh, you can't see it in this picture, but you can see a little uh, box or a little bag. This lady was carrying it. And in the darkness on the side is a man walking up to the cross with another bag. And what's interesting about this picture is he, the woman drops it off at the cross and the man is about to drop it off at the cross. And that is what, that's what uh, the law can state the positive, state the, the obvious, that you're carrying the burden of sin with you. Where grace, the blood of Jesus, is what frees you from that. It frees you from that. Your only effort was to let go. That's it. It's just to let go. Well, Lord, I own that stuff, and I let it go at your altar, at your foot of your cross, and I seek your salvation, and thank you, I'll take that, and keep on going. Romans 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 9 to 11 since we have now been justified, justified, pardoned, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, so that we may, so that, uh, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You know, reconciliation means to be reunited. Reunited. You were separated, and now you're reunited. Put back together. It's the groundwork of, of uh, the Christian faith. Through justification, God maintains his integrity and his standard, because it is God's standard. It's God's world and God's standard. We are the ones that miss the mark. But he justifies us through faith, that we may be reunited with him. Justification is... Man word, man has sinned God and broken God's standard. Man is in need of receiving righteousness of, to enter God, uh, enter with God in fellowship with him. Um, we need that. The law cannot justify. It can only bring judgment, as we talked about before. You know, in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 27, 26 to prove that, contrary to what the Judaizers claim, the law cannot justify and save. It can only condemn. That's all it can do. The works of the law and the faith, the gospel, are radically uh, different consequences. The law can only tell you you're guilty. That's all it can do. But it's faith in Christ Jesus that can save you. That's it. A couple weeks ago, we looked at, uh, Jenny made a fantastic uh, two ors. It was uh, faith and works, right? Well, there was a, a, a story of an older gentleman who's rowing these people across the uh, lake, and it's on the... Uh, on the oars, it said faith and works. And so the person asked him, what does that mean? And so he said, well, let me show you. And so he rowed only with faith and went in a complete circle, didn't move anywhere. Then he rowed only with works. Went in another circle, didn't go anywhere. And then he rowed together, and the boat moved. And he just said that uh, we need both faith and works to work together in order in our Christian walk to go forward. So it's not that we believe in Christ only and that he saves us, which is what he does. But as we grow, we work and we follow his will and we do his way. The Judaizers were saying, you have to do these things to be saved. 
And Paul's saying, no, your salvation comes through Christ Jesus alone. And that's the motivation for the works that we do. That's the motivation for us to grow forward. Today we looked at three topics Paul presented here, the law versus faith, our effort versus the Holy Spirit's power, and justification versus judgment. And I just want to remind us that uh, these things are important because as the church, we confuse, I can put there, we confuse being good with righteous. Being good with righteousness. We confuse our ability to live according to the denominational societal ideas with a level of holiness. We are no different in the Salvation Army on that. And we think, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy, so I must be okay. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've run into that have, uh, have told me bizarre things like that. You know, well, I, I, I don't do this, so God, you know, he's going to let me in. No, that's not the way it works. We're all in the same boat together as believers. We're all in the same boat together. We're called by Christ Jesus to trust in him. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Live according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Our salvation is based on Christ's work and our acceptance of that faith. Our holiness, our growth is based on our obedience, true, but also our trust in allowing the Holy Spirit to carry us, to wrap ourselves in his power and not our own. Our mistakes are always when we try to go on our own instead of relying on the Holy Spirit's power. Hope is only found in Christ Jesus. This morning, as we're finishing up, I just ask you, what, what are you putting your trust in today? Because I'll tell you right now, this world is really uh, going a little bit crazy. You know, we're, we're putting our trust. Uh, the governor actually started talking at 11 o'clock today about who knows what. But uh, people are putting our, our trust in some doctor somewhere or, or some special guy because he's the expert on fill in the blank. It's not new. It's been going on in society forever. You know what? God calls us to, to put our trust in Jesus, to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we're going to move forward. That's what matters in the end. When we put our trust in man, man fails us every time. Every time. No matter who you voted for or didn't vote for, it doesn't matter. Man fails us every time. Instead, we're supposed to put our trust in Christ Jesus. Because at the end, it's Christ Jesus that comes back in the second advent. It's Christ Jesus that the heavens open up and his army comes back down. Praise the Lord. That's what matters. The people we have going on right now and the people are upset and people scared and all that other stuff, well, have a good reason to be scared, but my salvation is in Christ Jesus, whether he keeps me here for another 50 years, 10 years, or a day. My, my soul rests in him. And, uh, you know, I, you know, some of you know, but uh, Major Gary Pyle uh, passed away. He's promoted to glory, and it uh, makes me sad, but makes me happy at the same time. That's why in the Salvation Army we say promoted to glory. Because, man, there's, what's the highest promotion we can have in the Salvation Army? It's to be with Jesus. Praise the Lord. I mean, is there anything better than that? Amen. Wow, that's good stuff. So if you're at home, uh, just want to say, you know, trust in Christ. Um, Ask yourself, what am I putting my trust in? Am I putting my trust in, in God? Am I putting my trust in myself? Am I, uh, is my Christian walk based more on what I can do for God than what God has done in my own life? Um, I guess the same for us here today. We're going to finish in prayer, and then uh, my wife's going to come on up. But um, oh, I just love the Lord. I, I know we, we, this world needs us. It needs us to be out there and sharing Christ and living Christ. Being real about Christ. 
being a church that's not about do's and don'ts, but being a church that says, you know what, he loves you. He loves you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord, and uh, oh, it just touches our heart every time, Lord. And Lord, we do want to just be your servants in this, in this world, Lord, to uh, put our trust fully in you and uh, you know, let go of our own stuff, Lord. Stop thinking that our, our works are what's making uh, your church go. No, Lord, it's, it's your power, your Holy Spirit's power that's making things go. It's your Holy Spirit's power that allows us to claim you, Lord, in all that we do, Lord. It's your Holy Spirit's power that uh, directs and builds and, and encourages, Lord, and equips us, Lord, and empowers us to do your work. Lord. And that's what we desire, to put our trust and our faith in you completely, Lord, to grow in our, in our holiness, Lord, and our walk with you, Lord to do your will. Thank you, Lord. Lord, be with our friends that are here, Lord. Uh, be with our friends at home, Lord, as, they, as each one of us prays and just calls out on you to uh, guide and direct our every step, to forgive us of our sins, Lord, equip us and uh, with your righteousness, Lord, and empower us to go out into this world to share the real gospel message with others. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.